Corporate Love Day. Well, it's tomorrow. I, uh, I wanted to pull our attention this morning towards what love really is. Tomorrow, you know, in, in the West, we'll be celebrating Valentine's Day, and, and there's a lot that goes into it. The world has many different ideas as to what love is. Valentine's Day has become for some that uh, holiday, that celebration of showing care for those whom uh, they have special affection for, those who are special in their lives. It's become a day where people try to give uh, maybe a token of sentiment to another, or they use it as a way to continue to woo that special person, to pursue them, and to go into a deeper relationship with them. It can be a day where people hope that the gesture will bring forgiveness and reconciliation, that they put a lot into this day as this will be the day that things will be made new, made right. For many, it's that day where you have to buy the right flowers. Men, have you been asked, what's your wife's favorite flower? I have no idea. (laughs) If I remember correctly, I'm going to say yellow rose. Yes, I got the nod. (laughs) Okay. I don't give flowers. But for many, it's that day you have to give the right flowers, you know. You have to go to just the right romantic restaurant. You know, it has to be the right place with the ambiance. Or, or you have to write the perfect card, or you have to find the perfect card if you're not one who, who is a big writer. You have to find the right intimate gift. You have to spend what's needed to create that perfect proposal. Right now, there's many commercials saying to us that real love is using the best credit card at the best store, to say to the best person that your love is the best. (laughs) However, if we're honest, the world, it misses, it misses what love really is because they have missed Christ. We know love because God is love. Love is part of his nature, his person. It's seen in his purposes. And we know what things are not love by how they fall short of who God is. In Scripture, when we are told to love one another, we are being told that in some particular way, we are to mirror or we are to reflect the person of God to those around us. If we're not walking in Christ, then we're not walking in real love. C.S. Lewis, along with other philosophers, have stated that we understand something by examining its opposite. For example, we understand what darkness is because we have seen light. Without light, we would have no frame of reference for darkness. We understand evil because we have seen good, and we understand the opposite of love because we have seen real love in the person of God. Now, I say the opposite of love 
and didn't give you a word there because love is so multifaceted that the opposite is multifaceted as well. In one uh, website dictionary, uh, it says that there are 850 different English words that fit as an antonym for love. 850 different opposites. So if we are to understand, if we're really to understand what love is, we need to look at what God reveals to us about love. So I want us today to spend our time in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 16. So if you have your Bible, we'll be in 1 John chapter 4. This is what it says. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So we're the Lord for us today. Pray with me. Father, as we move into this moment now, looking at this passage, we ask that your Holy Spirit would do what he does and illuminate the scripture to us, to teach us. May we be in awe of what true love is. In short, God, may we be in awe of you because you are love. So open our eyes to see. Open our minds to understand, our hearts to receive it, our hands to live in it. Jesus, we submit our lives to you right now, in this moment, asking that the word be applied to us, that it would affect us that it would transform us. Teach us these truths this morning so we, so we may walk in them. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Verse seven, it says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. 
So John states here that those who are identified as Christ's are to love one another because love is from God. So we're to love one another because we have received this love from God. Now, I'm sure that you've heard many times in our lives that God is love. I'm sure you've heard that. I, I, I hear it thrown around all the time. God is love. God is love. But we do have to realize that not all love is of God. God's love is holy and is part of his nature. But not all that this world or all that people call love is holy. When we hear the world say things like, love is love, they stand on a very slippery slope. When the world will take various kinds of perverted sexual practices and call them normal and loving, it is listening to the prince of the power of the air. All kinds of perversions in our world are called love, and God, and if God is love, then the world and Satan would have you believe that God is not the God of the Bible, but he's a different God altogether. In fact, he is not holy, he is not good, he is something other. When people say that these twisted and perverted things are love, and if our God is love, then we are saying that our God is twisted and perverted. He is not that. He is not that. So just because two people say that they love each other, it does not mean that that love is holy. Love does not define God. God defines love. All that God does is holy, and his love is expressed in holiness. With this in mind, all that God does expresses all that God is. Even his judgments are loving. And that's hard sometimes to understand, but that is the truth. Even his judgments are loving. So when John says, we who are his people are to love one another, our love should be expressed in a way that people see God. John goes on to say that those who love like God know God. This is both in the relationship of being born again, but also in knowing his word and walking in his ways. So look at these two passages. Second John 1, 6, it says, And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. And again, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, it says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. So keeping God's word is one way that we know how to love. He's telling us, this is what love looks like. This is how it's manifest. This is how it is expressed. So, so knowing his word, walking in his commandments is one way that we know how to love. Here, I'm going to give you a couple more verses about what love looks like. Now, the scripture's full of verses and passages that talk about what love is. But I'm going to give you a couple that are pretty familiar with us. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. 
Love is patient and kind, does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Ephesians 5, 25, Paul writes this. Husbands, love your wives, how? As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Now, as I interpret this passage, I think the fruit, the one fruit, is love. And here's how love is expressed. It's joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now, these are just three passages that talk about how love is expressed, what love is, what it looks like. And in these three passages, I'm sure as we think of our own life and how we love, we're thinking, I don't really measure up there well, or I could do that better, or I fall short there. This expresses who God is, his nature, his purposes. These are just three passages that talk about love, but it's, again, it's all over the scriptures. The word informs us how God loves and how we who have the spirit of Christ are now to love. And it's not like the world. What that means is that there are false loves out there and God must reject them. He says those fall short. They fall short of his glory. They fall short of what real love is because they do not reflect him And in reality, what many things the world calls love are actually in conflict with God. So we know love by knowing the word and walking in the fullness of it and obedience to it. I want you to think of a compass for a second. A navigator depends on a compass. It it helps him stay on the proper course. Uh, It does this by always pointing to true north And so the person knows which direction they're walking at any time. They can look at the compass, know where true north is, and they know what direction they are are heading in. Now, the compass points north because it's oriented and responds to the earth's magnetic field. So the compass responds to the nature of the earth. So this is the same with our love. For the Christian, the the nature of God is love. And the person who is born again and knows God then responds to God's nature. The compass naturally points north, and those who know God will naturally point to and practice God's love. So verse 8, we read this. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So John says that those who do not love like God do not know God. They don't know him. This word know, it has a deep, it has a a depth, sorry, to it that is beyond just an intellectual understanding. It's much different. 
This is the same word that's used in, in Genesis when it says that, that Adam knew his wife. Adam and Eve, they had a, a deep, intimate relationship. John is not saying that we have a sensual relationship or a sensual intimacy with God, but we do have a deep, personal, intimate relationship with God. So it means that we are sharing his life and experiencing his love. When it says that we know love, it says that we are sharing the life with Christ. And we experience it. There's a depth to it. It's intimate. It's personal. So when people say, do you know Jesus? That's what they're saying. They're saying, do you walk with him? Do you know him? Is he closer to you than a brother? Do you, do you just long to hear from him in the word? And, and do you hear from him in prayer? Do you know him? Loving one another. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm jumping ahead. Who and what God does is determ- it determines what we ought to be. Who God is determines who we should be. If you have your Bible open, you can just scan down to verse 17. It says this, By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. So also are we. We're conforming to him. We're becoming like him. We're just saying that. Oh, to be like you. To have, to give all I have just to know you. That's what John's talking about here. That's what John's talking about here. So loving one another is evidence that we are born of God and have fellowship with him. The the gospel isn't just a one and done thing. Some people would like it to be that. It's like, if I just believe this, I get, I get insurance for heaven, I'll take it. And nothing else needs to change, right? Like, I'll just say the prayer, receive that, and we're good, right? No, it's not a one and done thing. <laughs> Some people think they, it is in the sense that we just get saved and nothing changes, but it's, it's not that. And neither is our study of Scripture just growing in theology as a mere intellectual pursuit, when we study and we, and we learn theology and we learn the Word, it's not just for the head. It's not just to, just to grow in some kind of knowledge of something. No, when we come to know God, I mean truly know God, we're changed. And we're changed on a day-to-day basis. It's ongoing. It's, it's like being in contact with a heavenly radioactive isotope. (laughs) So no matter where you try to hide it, no matter where you put it, it's going to change you. It will affect you. You're not left the same. John talks about how we love in verses 7 and 8, but then he shifts our attention to how God has loved us in verses 9 through 11. Let's look at that there. He says this. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. 
that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So God put love on display. He, shows, he showed us what it means to love. He not only showed us, but he also gave love to us to be experienced. He made it tangible through Jesus. Jesus' love made manifest. Love made manifest. The word manifest means to bring out into the open, to, to make public. Love was brought into the open before all of us. In the Old Testament, Christ was hidden from, from Israel's sight through the rituals of the temple and the law. The promise of salvation and the fullness of God's grace and forgiveness, it was there, but how God would accomplish it, it was not fully understood until Jesus came and dwelt among us. So John says in 1 John 3, 5, he says this, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins. In him there is no sin. And further down in verse 8 of chapter 3, he says this, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared or was made manifest was to destroy the works of the devil. So how did God manifest his love for us through Jesus and destroy the work of Satan? Well, he did it by having Christ go to the cross to be our propitiation or to appease the wrath of God that would be poured out on sin and to disarm or render inoperative the works of Satan. If this is how God loves, by, by giving himself, for our ransom, then John says this is the nature of God's people responding to him. Jesus was not sent for us because God was moved by our love for God. We didn't do anything. We weren't loving him. We, we didn't do something, and God said, oh, I just want to do something back for them. It was actually quite the opposite. Jesus came to rescue sinful man who did not love him, prompted by his own love for us. And his death, and at his death, his act of love brought two things, according to John. Verse 9 says that he loved us in this way that we may have life through him. His death brought us life. This act of love brings dead men and dead women back to life. And verse 10 says that his act of love brought perfect reconciliation and forgiveness for those who come to him. So in light of this, it, it, it's clear that Jesus' death was not an accident. There are people who say Jesus was coming to show the love of God, to 
proclaim this to us, to give us a good example to, to bring these great truths, these great teachings. But he really wasn't going to the cross. He just happened to be crucified because of man and their jealousy of him. But that's not what was needed. That's absolutely wrong. His death on the cross wasn't an accident. It was an appointment. It was on the heavenly calendar. On this day, at this feast, I will die for sinners. I will give myself for sin to reconcile them, to give them life, and to be their propitiation. He didn't die in defeat, but he died as a victor, and he rose again. Our greatest need as sinners is new life. Our greatest need is to be born again. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, it says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sin. We were dead. We were dead. I don't know how to make that any more clear. Like six feet under, pushing up daisies spiritually. You know, you're not coming back. You're not going to wake up. No one's shocking you back to back to to consciousness. Now you're dead. And God looks at humanity and he meets the deepest and greatest need. Love is self-giving. Love is sanctifying. Love cleanses. Love nourishes. Love treasures. Love cherishes. Just as a side, this is in my script, but as an aside, I want to talk to a lot of the young ladies here, like, and even women here. Like, this, this is what you should be receiving. This cherishing, loving, sanctifying, cleansing, self-giving love. This is what you are to be given. When the world says, oh, you'll, you'll learn to like this, or this is normal, or this is what everybody does, that's garbage. It's, it's twisted, and it's not of Christ. It's not love. And the world likes to package it up and put a bow on it and make it shiny and say, this is love. It is not love. You might as well put dog poop in a bag and set it on fire and throw it in front of the door and ring the doorbell and run off and say, that's love. Got a package for you. That's what the world is giving. Christ is showing us what real love is. He gives himself in this way. And I watch people walk in brokenness, striving for and yearning for love, and they go after these counterfeits. It breaks me. I see marriages broken because they've bought into counterfeits. And it breaks me. I see my shortcoming, and I see how I fall short. And what Christ did for me, and it breaks me. 
John gives us this beautiful picture. And then he contemplates it and he comes back in verse 11 and he says, all of this to tell us we need to love one another. If this is love, brethren, we need to love one another. Like this. We need to care for one another like this. We should have holy indignation when we see false counterfeits being peddled on people around us. We should say, that's not love. No, let us show one another what love is and let the world see what love is. And it's a, it's, it's a commandment here. It's not a holy suggestion. One may start out by, by doing this out of a sense of duty, and, and that's okay. There's, there's times where we read the Scriptures and we're like, okay, I need to act like that, I need to do that, and we do it out of a sense of duty. But as we grow... As we grow in love and as we grow in the knowledge of God, knowing Him, knowing who He is, walking with Him, his, and, and experiencing His character and His nature in our lives, knowing as we grow in love, so then duty should change over time to a deep-seated affection and appreciation for Christ. And since Christ has loved me in such a beautiful way, so I should love as I have been loved. And yet there's more. It doesn't just stop there. He says, there's still more. God's giving more. And we read about his, his love to us in his word. We experience his love for us at the cross. But verses 12 through 16 reveal his love, and work, his love at work in us. Verse 12 through 16. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another... God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. In this little section, we see what it's all about. You get to see what it's really, this is really what it's all about. The goal. The goal is to be with us. The goal is to be with you. In the garden, God walked with man and man walked with God. And after sin disrupted the relationship man had with God, later we see that God chose to dwell among men in the tent of meeting in the Old Testament. So in the garden, they walk together. Sin disrupts it. He says, I still want to be with my people. So he has them construct the tent of meeting, and his glory falls on that place. He's in that place. He meets with his people there. Later, they build the temple, and he meets them in the temple. 
But now, Christ has been made manifest. He, he took on flesh. He walked among us. Love incarnate came. And Christ goes to the cross. And God comes closer. He dwells with us. In us. By his Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says this. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Whom you have from God, you are not your own. John says in verse 12, no one has ever seen God, but they do see you and they do see me. If we are loved by God and we love as God loves, then through us, the love of God is on display by how we love and serve in this world. And that is why this word abide in this passage is so important. Abide in this context means to be spiritually, be in spiritual oneness with God. To be in oneness with Him. To have nothing between us. To be in perfect unity. This is the one reason why in Ephesians, that passage about husbands and wives, that illustration is so powerful. I mean, when you think about it, the husband and the wife, they are to abide together. Nothing between them. In unity. Living. Close. Abiding. Just as Christ abides with his church. The indwelling of the Spirit is proof that Christ is abiding in us. Just as the transformations of one's heart that begins to, to serve and care for those around us. These are testimonies that we have a relationship with God, that he abides with us. And we show that especially to the body of Christ, but to all people. And according to these verses, two things happen when those who God abides in, two things happen to those people whom he dwells with. They grow in knowledge of God's love, and in turn grow in living in love. And second, the second thing is they grow in faith. Two things happen when he abides in us. We grow in the knowledge of him and of his love, and we grow in faith. So as you grow in love, you are truly able to care for others, to seek their good over your own, and to show them the gospel in your actions as well as in your words. And as God works in you and abides in you, you begin to see and trust him more and more. You begin to understand how to live out the teaching that Jesus gave on the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus spoke this. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. 
For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, we love only the fellowship, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. How do we live in perfect love? We abide in perfect love. It's the only way. We grow in knowledge, we grow in faith, and we are able to fulfill this teaching through Christ. The world has many different ideas of what love is. But this is love. This is love. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And he came and made his dwelling with us. So while you may celebrate your love tomorrow with those who are close to you, and I I hope you do. I hope you celebrate it and you tell them how much you cherish them and, and, and show them this love as well. The word of God, it's challenging us. It's challenging us to to live out real love for all people and especially for one another here. We've got to love one another well here in the church, in the body. So we end where we start. Where John says to us, Beloved, Let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. In just a moment, I'm going to pray, and the worship team will come up, and we'll finish by singing like we normally do, but as I end and give the benediction, There's a lot of time left. My challenge to you this morning is to to be in fellowship. Show some care for one another. Love one another. Have some conversations. Pray together. Serve one another if that comes up. Find ways that you can love the fellowship today. And then let this word carry you in to loving those in your circles this week. Will you stand with me? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this passage. So many different love songs on the radio that we, we probably know, gosh, dozens or more by heart. And they all fall short. They fall short of who you are. You are love. You define it. You show it. You demonstrate it. It was manifest in you, Lord Jesus. You loved us with a holy, righteous love. And you call us to yourself. And you seal us with your spirit. And you abide in us. And and you teach us how to love. How we can be like you. So, Father, I pray that as we reflect on this, that, that, we just, that we would just be in awe of the great love that you have for us. 
the great mercy, the great care, how you treasure us. And then may we be transformed in the inner man, the inner woman, and may we love one another as Christ has loved us this Valentine's Day. (laughs) Think of the commercial that says, show the one that you love that you care. Not by giving diamonds, but God, may we give Christ. May we give the true treasure of heaven. May we love. Teach us. Teach us to love. We pray this in Jesus' name. The name above every name. The name that every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth confessing that he is Lord, the Lord of love, to the glory of the Father. So may we, the redeemed, now lift up a song expressing the love we have for you, God. May you be blessed in the heavens as we lift up our voice, telling you we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.